Your 40s and 50s are a critical time on your path to retirement. Is your financial plan set up so that you pay as little tax as possible? Does it take volatile markets and potential future tax increases into account? Have you got a strategy nailed down for Roth conversions or backdoor Roth or pension options? Maybe you're making big decisions about what to do with your money between now and when you retire. Like, should you buy a house or should you be socking that money away into retirement accounts instead? Maybe the idea that one day you'll no longer be earning and saving fills you with dread. Are you comfortable with the retirement lifestyle you're creating? Do you know what you're going to do with your time once you're permanently off the clock? Today on Your Money, Your Wealth Podcast number 397, we compile some of Joe and Big Al's retirement plan spitballing specifically for those in their 40s and 50s. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the podcast show notes, listen to the YMYW episodes in which each question originally appeared, access free financial resources, read the episode transcript, and ask Joe and Big Al on air to get your own retirement spitball analysis. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. Laura from Los Angeles. Um, I'm 40, yo, single, no kids, <laughs> own a condo worth 450, have no debt aside from the $210,000 mortgage and make $150,000 a year. I'm worried about retirement. Only have a four hundred one k. My question is: Should I get a Roth, even though I get highly taxed right now, or just stick with the traditional? Okay, she's forty. Makes one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Yep, single. Okay. Um, four hundred one. She's probably in a twenty four percent bracket. Yep. Um, I don't know if she even qualifies. For a Roth? Oh, what's the what's one thirty three? Yeah, it's like one twenty five to one thirty five, or somewhere in that range. She makes one fifty. Yeah, let's see, one one twenty five to one forty. So once you make over one hundred twenty five thousand, you start being phased out on doing a Roth IRA. But maybe she's asking because she's got a four hundred one k. Well, it says in then parentheses IRA. I know, but I think she. I think that means that. <laughs> traditional 401k I, maybe there's a Roth option in the 401k so let's answer that question first because if if she's just trying to do a regular Roth IRA she would probably not qualify because her income's too high or at least couldn't do a full one mm-hmm. but if she has a Roth option in her 401k she can do that is that a good idea sure but it depends on how much money that she has she's concerned for retirement yeah she's got 150 she's 40 years old so I don't know what is, is, is she has no savings and go traditional for sure because because why not why you, not and that with that income uh, you can save you some money in tax and yeah. you can and as long as you're not going to have too high of a required minimum distribution right. at age 72 but if she's already saved a bunch of money in a 401k and has very little tax diversification then we might say th- then go, you, go might, the Roth. you might yeah. say rock because she's only in the 24 percent bracket and she's 40 and she's got a lot of time for that tax-free money to grow yeah that's true too Right. And as you have observed before, and I agree with you, you tend to, when you, when you go ahead and do the traditional 401k or traditional IRA and get the tax deduction, you don't tend to save the money. You tend to spend it. Right. So it's kind of a four savings and plus you're going to be happy later. Yeah. The tax benefits. Yep. Hello. Love the show. My wife and I are 41. I have four kids and I drive a 2020 Nissan Altima and we have a cat. All right. Um, I have a rollover IRA worth $315,000 Roth IRA of about a hundred thousand. 401k at work at 125,000. My wife has 18,000 in an IRA, 75 in a Roth. 
We also have a taxable brokerage account of 125000 We make too much to do Roth contributions. We plan to convert her rollover IRA to her Roth and pay the taxes from our brokerage account. And this is Ben from Fargo, North Dakota. Sorry, Ben. Uh, my question is, can we convert my wife's rollover IRA to her Roth IRA and also contribute to a non-deductible IRA and convert that to a Roth backdoor style? <laughs> Back, in, in parentheses. Backdoor style. <laughs> Not through the front door. Let's go through the back door. What kind of style you like. Uh, in the same year, or do we have to wait until next year to do the back door? Thanks again. Uh, that's Ben from Fargo, North Dakota. Ben, so yes, you can contribute to a non-deductible IRA. So you have basis in the IRA. You convert everything, and then that goes with it. I mean, yeah, you're just getting an extra $6,000 into the Roth. Yeah, you, you can do that right now. So to use your numbers, can uh, contribute. Six thousand dollars, and now you got twenty-four thousand dollars in the in the rollover IRA for her. You you convert the whole thing. You only pay taxes on eighteen, so it works just fine. You don't have to wait till next year. Yep. Yeah. Great question. Make that IRA contribution. Um, you have basis in the IRA, and then when you convert your wife's, convert that as well, and um, all good. We got Susan from Atlanta writes in, dear Big Al, Joe, and Andy. I'm wondering. How much should be done to strategize for future tax increases? I'm currently filing head of household and fall into that 12% tax bracket. And I've been making small Roth conversions while staying in the 12% rate. Rates are going back up in 2025. I'll probably lose head of household status around that same time, pushing me firmly into the 22% or future 25% tax bracket. Does it make sense to convert an additional $35,000 now and fill up that 22% tax bracket? And mostly like to have to make some sales in my brokerage account to pay the extra tax. I'm 55, Yao, and currently have 365,000 in a brokerage account, 450,000 in a traditional IRA, 400 grand in a Roth. I'm also expecting to inherit some taxable and tax deferred funds at some point, which could possibly push me into higher brackets with the expected dividends in the required 10 year drawdown. Thanks, Susan. All right, from Hotlanta, would you go to the 22? Well, um, keep it in 12. I would go to the 22. What the hell? Probably, probably 20. I mean, you're going to be in the 22 anyway, which is going to be 25. So I would just plan ahead for that. You've got a good chunk of money in the traditional. You know, you'd like to get more in the Roth. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Markets are low. Convert to the 22. Now's a really good time to do that. Um, Yeah. I like how she's strategizing, though, right? Because she's got a plan. She's looking at future tax rates. She's, you know, uh, there's some estimation, guesstimation. There's a little bit of forecasting involved here. And there's there's unknowns. unknowns. We don't really know what the future tax rates are going to be. But she's taking some of the uncertainty off the table. She's taking what she knows. Exactly. Which is all you can do. Right. You got here's what you know, and then you you make action or or decisions based on that. Yeah, and then you adjust later if need be. Absolutely. So, this is what people should be doing. Taking lessons here from Susan from Atlanta is that it's like, okay, well, here's the tax bracket that I'm in and I'm going to look out and it's like, oops, okay, well, the tax brackets are going to change on me. And then I'm probably going to be in this bracket at that point. Oh, and guess what? You know, I'm probably going to inherit a couple of bucks from mom and dad. 
that's also going to add to my income. Oh, and there's going to be some other stuff here. So as I'm still strategizing at 52, 50, um, how old was she? She is. Uh, yeah. I thought she said something. Maybe she didn't. 55. 55. Yeah. So she's 55. She's got several years you know, for this IRA to continue to compound tax deferred, or does it make sense to slowly chip away at this thing and pay a little bit of tax to really blow up the Roth? And I think she's doing the right thing. It's like, okay, well, here I'm forecasting a little bit. Hey, do I go in the 22% tax bracket? You're going to pay that rate regardless. You could stay in the 12 now, or you could pay 22% to get more money into the Roth at lower um, historic, uh, at, at lower market values. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a great strategy, and I would I would be all over it. Yeah, I agree. And the even the twenty four percent bracket for uh, actually both single and head of household is up to one hundred seventy thousand. So there's there's a lot of room even in that bracket. But of course, then you got to figure out the tax that you got to pay. You'd have to use some of the money in your brokerage account. Do you want to do that? Maybe maybe not. But yeah, I think I I would definitely probably at least convert in the 22% bracket. And that that gets you up to about, let's see, head of household, 89,000, which actually the same for single versus and head of household in that bracket, 89,000 taxable income. So that might be a good target to convert to. All right. We got, hello, Andy, Joe and Al. Most importantly, we drive a pair of 2016 Mazdas Zoom Zoom. A pair. Yeah. Yep. They, they each have one. All right. His and it's hers. Like Anne and I have two infinities. We got a turtle. We got a box turtle named Hamilton and a cat named Angel. We keep trying to be couch drunks in retirement like Joe has suggested, <laughs> but we love exercise, fitness, and healthy food too much. However, with all your help, we upgraded from Coors Latte to Michelob Ultra. All right. Uh, so we highly recommend Joe consider that upgrade when he becomes, well, a bit more stable. Wow. Yeah. In your later years. I'm I'm not saying less carbs. It seems a good rule of thumb to do Roth conversions when possible to the top of the marginal tax bracket you expect to be during retirement, especially when you are in low income years and with funds available to pay the tax on the conversion outside of the retirement accounts. I would like to hear your spitball analysis on when it might make sense to do even larger Roth conversions going into even higher tax brackets in a down market. I went back through old podcasts and couldn't find any detailed discussion on this. In general, my question is, does it ever make sense to pull the trigger on larger Roth conversions in a substantially down market? If so, is there a rule of thumb? How far down in the market to then convert how far up? The question of how much to do in Roth conversions each year to the top of which bracket seemed to be the most uncertain aspect of our detailed financial plan. Oh, yeah. Okay. Page two. Page two. Here we go. Which is understandable giving changing conditions. I appreciate both Joe's shoot from the hip gut instinct approach, as well as a CPA math from Big Al to back it up. Between tax brackets, returning to pre-tax cuts and jobs act after 2025, the Congress targeting Roth account options now through 2025 is clearly a great opportunity to maximize Roth conversions. Feel free to cut this off now. Is that that him? (laughs) That's him. Yes, he wrote that. Then the rest of this, the next two and a half pages are, if you have time for more, here's a whole thing you can spitball. Okay, well, let's let's, start with this. Let's just start there. Feel free to cut this off now. All right, Mike, I'm going to cut it off now. So he's saying 
is there a different rule of thumb if the markets are down? Yeah, well, his first premise is go ahead and do Roth conversions if you are in the same bracket or lower that you're going to be in retirement and you've got the money to pay the tax. Yes, that's kind of a no-brainer. And it's, and it's even better right now because the tax rates are lower than they will be in 2026. So it's doubly a good idea. Doubly. Current, currently. It's du doubly, doubly good. Yes, doubly, doubly good. All right. Um, and two, then two times the pleasure, <laughs> two times the fun. <laughs> you guys are the Wrigley Doublemint twins. That's yeah. correct. God, I can't believe I remember that. Yeah, me neither. Uh, so looking at this, uh, so what he's saying is that, okay, well, the market's down. Should we do a bigger Roth conversion? Right. And I don't think that's the, I wouldn't because you're, you're, you're converting more shares when the market's down. So it's it's not do I convert into a higher tax bracket that I'm going to be in the future. You're already converting more shares of stock because those shares are worth less. Right. Right. But it's the timing of it is, yeah. is the key component of it because Which now is, you're it's hard to know. Right? right. I mean, so the market drops 20%. So do you convert them? And then it drops another 20%, but you already converted to the top of the bracket. So do you convert more? <laughs> Right. I mean, sure. it, and at that point, maybe it doesn't make sense. This is my gut reaction that he wants. Maybe. I mean, it depends on how much money that he has in the overall retirement account. It depends on, you know, if I convert a little bit more, let's say into the 24% tax bracket, if I'm going to the top of the 22, does it make sense maybe to convert another tranche? Yeah, maybe you would have to run the numbers because potentially you're, you're going to be in the 25 when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act comes back in the year 2025. Right. So, but if you're you're converting to the top of the 24, which is a giant tax bracket, I don't think I would go higher than that. Yeah. So I would say it this way. Remember when the market was down during the, the Great Recession? Sure. And people converted at that point. And we tend to recommend that you put your higher expected earned asset classes in the Roth because all that growth will be tax-free in the future. And so then people converted while the market was lower because the market had gone down. And then back in those days, we had till October 15th of the following year to determine what the account balance is. And if the account balance went up 10% or 15% or whatever in that year, year and a half, whatever it may be, then it was like, well, the tax you paid when you, when you consider what you got in the Roth was actually pretty low. So I, I, to me, the CPA math is this. If, if you believe the market is going to go up 10% in a relatively short period of time, then you might even want to convert past the 24% bracket all the way to the 32, because that 8% additional tax, you're, it's going to be recovered when the market recovers. The problem is it's impossible to market time. It's absolutely impossible to figure that out. So before what we would do, the best strategy is that we would you had the ability to recharacterize. Right. So we had some Roth conversions. We would do like 10 different Roth conversions. One was in small cap. One was in international. One was in bonds. One was in emerging markets. Right. And then you would just let them all run. And then you would wait until October the following year. And then you would look at what had the highest balance. And you would keep those and you would recharacterize everything back into the retirement account. Right. Or if there was still such a thing as, you know, then it didn't matter what tax bracket that you're in. Just convert a hundred grand. Who cares? Right. And then you would take a look at, all right, well, does the math make sense depending on the expected rate of return? Because you could recharacterize. You can't recharacterize anymore. So that makes that whole strategy 
impossible. It, it's tricky. So it, you, it still could work out, right? It, you convert, but yes. then just know that you're stuck with whatever that you convert and you're going to pay the tax and hopefully long-term that, you know, the Roth is going to produce for you. And markets do tend to recover. You just don't know how quickly and when, right? So that's the risk that you're taking. But the, the theoretical mathematical answer is yes. I mean, you would rather convert while the markets are down because you're putting less money into the, into the Roth because the markets are lower and hopefully it grows that much quicker. So a couple of different rules of th or, or, or di different thoughts here or different strategies. There's a barbell Roth conversion strategy that, you know, hey, you wait, you take a look and if there's volatility in the market and let's say your, your conversion number is $40,000. So maybe you convert $10,000 or $20,000. So you still have a reserve of another 20. So if the market dips again, then you, you, you'll get to your $40,000 later. Some people will do a conversion right in the beginning of the year, because it's better to do a conversion in the beginning of the year, especially if the market goes up, because then all of the growth for that year is in the Roth IRA. Sure. Some people wait until the end of the year. Well, if you wait till the end of the year and you have a good market year, well, that's not a really great strategy because you missed all of that growth it's sitting in your IRA versus your Roth IRA. You might want to do it monthly, right? Hey, you want to convert a hundred grand to $10,000 a month. There's all sorts of different, you know, crazy things that you can do, you know, to maximize the effectiveness of conversions. But what Mike is asking us is market timing, which we don't have a crystal ball, but if the market does go down, that is the best time to convert. But just know that the market could continue to go down and then if you convert it to the top of whatever bracket that you want, it doesn't make sense to convert more. Well, it's going to be on your assumptions of what you think the expected return is going to be in that, that account. Check out YMIW podcast episode 375 for the rest of the fellas answer to Mike. You'll find it linked in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You know, having your financial strategy and your retirement plans well-defined in advance can give you more peace of mind. But the best plan for you and your family is really individualized and entirely dependent on your circumstances, your risk tolerance, and your goals for retirement. If you don't have a financial plan, get one. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Click get an assessment and schedule a no cost, no obligation, one-on-one -on -one personalized deep dive into your entire financial situation with an experienced financial professional on Join Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. It's a fee-only fiduciary. You'll never pay commissions and they are required by law to act in the client's best interest. Learn strategies to help you make the most of your retirement and to give you that peace of mind. Go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click get an assessment now. All right, I got an email here. It says, Andy, can you please give me a cool alias? So what's what's the alias what's of the this person? So I came up with Abigail Scott Dunaway. Our emailer is actually from Portland, Oregon. So I looked up famous women in Portland and I came up with Abigail. She apparently uh, was one of the first people on the Oregon Trail in 1851. Her husband suffered a farming accident. So she ended up having to support the family. She moved them to Portland. She started a women's rights newspaper called the New Northwest. She became the first woman to vote in Portland. So she was a pretty cool chick. So I decided I was going to name our emailer after Abigail here. Okay. A little history lesson. It's wow. good. Oregon Trail. Right. You ever been on that? No. Yeah. I don't think I have either. <laughs> been near it. <laughs> All right. Hi, Andy, Joe. Now I'm 40 and I've spent most of my life on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> most of my life, not really paying attention to money or investing. Um, I'm debt free, but currently only have just over one times my annual income split between the old 401k and my TSP. 
base salary is 73000 but I currently in a unique position to pick up an extra day of overtime each week, uh, which would almost be an additional $1,600 a month. I'm curious about what my best course of action is in regards to this new money. I'm a renter, and I'd, like, and I'd really like to use it towards a down payment on my first home, but I also know I'm really behind on my retirement savings. Currently, my work takes a mandatory 3.1% towards my pension, plus I'm investing 10% into my TSP, they match five, and I'm maxing out a Roth IRA. Based off my current salary, my pension will be around $22,000 a year. Am I too far behind to buy a house? I live in Portland Portland, um, with my significant, significant other. other. So, uh, <laughs> with my so. With my so. <laughs> And our 15-year-old pit bull. Uh, we drive a 15-year-old pit bull. They last. They live that long. Uh, drive a 2005 Corolla, and I enjoy a hard seltzer from time to time. Or cider. Cider. Oh, I like the hard seltzer. <laughs> he just cool. changed it to what were, he wanted to drink. You were thinking that. I was when being you selfish. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thanks for your help. Okay, let's see. So sh- I I can I can help this. Okay. I mean, while you're doing. That's yours. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'll just make a cu- couple comments. So 3.1% towards pension, 10% plus they match five. So you're already about 18%. We, we tell folks they ought to try to get up to 20% of their savings. So that's actually pretty good. You might be a little bit behind. I'm not sure you're that far behind. No, I don't think she is because let's say she, I bet she's spending 60,000 bucks a year. Yeah. Right. Right. Because if she's got 73, you pay the tax plus you put the 10% into the the TSP, That's plus right. they're already taking money out for the pension and whatever benefits. I bet it's like, I don't know, 55, 60 grand a year. Yeah. Yeah. 55, right? 60. Exactly. Okay. So let's use $55,000 and she is 40 and she wants to retire at what? 60? Yeah. Call it 60, 20 years. Okay. Present value. Um, so we got uh, $50,000 and then we got 20 years and we'll use three and a half percent inflation. Okay, so that's going to, she needs $100,000. Her living expenses will be roughly $100,000 in retirement. Uh, yeah, with inflation. Okay. Okay. She's going to get a pension of $22,000. And that's probably not adjusted for inflation. Right. But it, it probably would be. But let's just say straight 22, maybe that's today's dollars. I don't know if that's future dollars. Sure. So she needs $75,000. Yeah. You good with that number? Yeah. And Social Security would probably be 30 at least. Yep. Or let's call it 20 even. Okay. Just to be conservative. Yeah. So now that's 55. So she needs about a million bucks. Right. Call it that. In, in that range. In that range. So she's got $100,000 roughly saved. Yep. And then she's got 20 years. And let's say she gets 7% on her money and she's saving with the match 10000 Yeah. At least. Yeah. That gets her to 825 yeah. Super close. Yeah. Close. I mean, it, it depends on social security though. Cause if it's only 20,000, her fixed income is 40 and she needs 60. So she need 1.5 with that, with that math, but it's, but pro- I'm assuming that the pension she's in, um, she's got a TSP. So she's a federal employee. Yeah. Right. The pension is going to have a cost of living on it. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. That, social security is right. going to be a little bit higher than that. Right. And then if her income is going to continue to increase and she's going to probably continue to increase her savings as that increases. Oh, you know what? She's also maxing out a Roth. So oh, got to add that in. So she's, she's really close. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think, you know what? Use the extra money for a house. If that's what you want to do, maybe your significant other can help too. Yeah. You're so. You're so. 
get so on board. <laughs> um, so sixteen hundred. But the problem is, is that she's going to have to figure out a down payment. Yeah, true. Right. Because I think she could cash flow. She could get a no. Well, well, she could. And that's why she's thinking she'll save the extra 1600 a month okay, but for that. But it's, 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 it's going to take a while. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take a few years. Right. Um, you know, so you, what's that? $20,000 roughly you can, a year. You can do what I did. I borrowed money from my grandma for the down payment. <laughs> or maybe your parents or your rich brother yeah. or whoever. Um, or you could maybe... Depending on what um, she does for the government, there could be some uh, some loan programs. Maybe you know, two percent down or three percent down. We've seen some of that. Right. Too. That, well, that's true. Yep. But yeah, I like the sixteen hundred dollars a month. I think if you continue to put what you're putting in the four hundred one k with the match with the Roth IRA, and then now you have this extra cash of sixteen hundred, and if you really want to get a house, I mean, yeah, go, I, go I for think, it. I think you can do it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, what um i don't know what segment we're on you're uh, in segment four so you can uh you've got about a minute left oh so i we got to keep going <laughs> i can't break early is what you're saying <laughs> anything else to say on that one i, um, I mean i so personally i think if people want to own a home that that's an important thing and and homes tend to appreciate over time you're living you're living in portland oregon which is on the west coast you know, the coasts tend to appreciate a little bit more than the center of the country, not to slam any, but it's just historically, nevertheless, all properties have gone up in all areas over the past several years. And that tends to happen over the long term. Well, the biggest thing is that if you're going to continue to rent all the way through your life, I mean, it's inflation's going to kill you. Yeah. So you kind of want to lock in the housing. Um, if that's your goal and it sounds like it is, yeah, go for it. I think you got enough money here to do it. The hardest part is the down payment. So you got to figure that piece out. Yep. All right. Congrats. Uh, thanks for the question and good job, Andy, with the alias. Hey, I hope Abigail liked it. We got educated. Did that take you like a couple hours of research there? She, it yeah, she's took me 30 books. seconds. Like I said, I just searched for famous one of Portland. Say. Andy's going to submit overtime for that yeah, work. I was like, geez, man, Andy wants another $1,600 a month. I think so. Work. Uh, Jim writes in from Illinois. He goes, hey, I came across your show when the pandemic hit and been listening regularly ever since. It's very informative. The mix of expert advice or the expert feedback. feedback. Not advice. Not advice. And the sarcastic humor is a unique and inviting combo. Yeah. Not too many financial shows to have that, right? Yeah, I really agree with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> we, I'll tell you what, Jim, we have no issues with that statement. <laughs> uh, well, sarcastic humor. Uh, there's nothing better. <laughs> um, also, I feel the connection with Joe because I, too, butcher words when I have to read aloud. And I admire that Joe doesn't seem to care. Yeah, you don't care. <laughs> I, I think most of us butcher words. Thanks, Jim. You and I, brother. Yeah, I'm not a very good reader. Yeah, you're getting better though. You're doing a lot better. Thank you, thank you. That's Especially fine. with these long ones, these page long ones, you're doing excellent. I I happen to love your reading. I oh, think it's very entertaining. <laughs> Perfect. I think it's uh, sarcastic humor, unique. Yes, expert feedback. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, so let's let's go on to his uh, question here. On to my question, which relates to something that I haven't heard thus far on the show. I'm 56, happily married. I've climbed the corporate ladder in a large global company where I did well and then stepped into the CEO, CEO role of a small startup, which I have been doing for the past three years. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's great. All right. 
Um, I have lived with personal financial management principles of delayed gratification, little debt in low fee investments. As a result, I've saved and invested for many years and have been able to accumulate a net worth of about $6 million made up of uh, $5 million in taxable accounts, 2.3 in 401k, 2.4 in index funds. Um, that's in the, ta- um, oh, taxable investments. <laughs> 500,000 in liquid money market account and 500,000 in home equity. All right. I will also have a small pension of about $1,800 a month. The Social Security conservatively uh, estimated at $2,000 a month. My base salary is about $350,000 a year. I have stock options, but let's ignore those because it's a startup and who really knows? Lastly, I have about $670,000 in 529 plans for my two kids' college. It is overfunded, but it makes me feel good to know that they're covered. Uh, so on paper, things look good, and I should be happy guy, but I'm miserable. Dun, oh, boy. <laughs> so far, I thought you'd be ecstatic. Okay. Because I hate my job. <laughs> Got it. I want out, and I'm paralyzed by the idea of not having an income and not being able to save money. Over 25 years, I've been wired to save and invest for the future. And now the future seems to be here, but I'm fumbling around listening to your show and others. And I'm so confused. Okay. Well, we'll do our best. This is becoming quite a dramatic reading. It is. I got goosebumps. (laughs) You gave yourself goosebumps. I do. Uh, uh, Never mind. Uh, what, What advice do you have for people like me who have done well? Uh, but the psychology of managing their finances without an income or with smaller income of semi-retirement is making them miserable. I've made a career of always trying to have answers for problems, but I now seem to have a problem of my own, and it's painful for me to admit that I don't know how to solve it. Is this a familiar issue with you guys, with your clients? If so, what spitfalls of advice can you throw my way? Uh, First of all, really appreciate the question. Yeah. Another great question. It is, um, you know, this guy's CEO, he's killed it. Very successful. Used to saving, right. Saves a lot. He's young. Right. 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 And he's like, okay, I'm going to take on the CEO role and I'm going to make stuff happen. Yeah, that's right. And get some stock options and this will be a little different than the big corporate world. Right. I'm the man. I don't have to answer to no one. Yeah. I am the man. Turns out, you always have to answer to somebody. Yes. You might have some investors. That's right. Uh, and it's lonely at the top, isn't it there, Jim? <laughs> it's lonely up here. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. <laughs> uh, but, okay, so he's like, I have it. He has enough money. Yeah. So, I mean, the quick math is $5 million at age 56. I would use a 3% distribution rate. So that's about $150,000 if you're spending less than that, which you probably are based upon your profile, you're good to go. I'll tell you one thing that helps me being an accountant. I don't know if this works for other people, but I like to, to run this out on financial planning software. And what does this look like given certain inflation and investment and spending assumptions and, and kind of tweak those and see how it works in different scenarios. And I think uh, Jim, in almost any scenario, you're going to see that this works. So that's that's that would be one thing you could do. Yeah, but life is too short. If you're miserable and you hate your job, quit. The, uh, you you have financial security. Most people are working their tails off, and I get this. I mean, you're not asking for sympathy, and you're not asking, "Oh, woe is me! I got six million dollars," and oh, you, you know, 
I get it. You know, people that are very successful, they're wired a certain way to save, to save, to save, and think about the future and everything else. And then when they look back and in trying to step out, yeah. it's like it, it, there's a lot of fear there. It's like, well, what the hell am I going to do tomorrow? Yeah. Right. I'm going to drive myself nuts or I'm going to be a couch drunk. One right. of the two. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I think that that is really common for someone that's very successful and is, has devoted their whole career to being successful and, and growing up the ladder and all that sort of thing. Uh, so here, here's a couple more thoughts, uh, Jim, is you can step into a consulting role. I'm sure you've got a lot of skills that would be valuable to a lot of companies, but maybe you work a lot less. Maybe you make enough now to cover your own expenses. So you, you don't see your accounts going down. They're actually going up with the market. And maybe you could have a much better and happier lifestyle just doing that. Maybe you could have consulting jobs where you could work from Italy, from Hawaii, from wherever, right? So you have a better quality of life. But I think, at least for me, I got to see it in black and white. I got to see the spreadsheets to make sure, regardless of the assumptions I put in, I'll be okay. And I think, Jim, you're going to find you're going to be fine. Yeah, but I think Jim has a number in the back of his head, right? He's got a $5.7 million net worth. He might be in the back of his head. He's 55 years old. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to feel comfortable until that's 10. I know. But remember, it used to be one, and then it was two, and then it. it but, but, the, but that's the issue. That's the I, problem. I, I Even know. though we both agree that, you know, he's fine financially on paper, on black and white, Jim can do all the things potentially that he wants to do, unless he. I mean, he makes three. It's not like he's making $3 million a year. He makes $350,000 a year with a $6 sure. million net worth. Right. And that $6 million net worth will probably produce anywhere from one hundred dollars to $200,000. So his income could be pretty close to, to match. Yeah. Right. Because you take three fifty dollars after taxes, after savings, and so on. What is he truly spending? It might be $100,000, dollars $150,000. Well, his investments could probably produce that after tax. And so he's yep. going to be in the same spot financially, but emotionally in his mind in, in where's his purpose and where's everything else yeah. is I think the bigger issue. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and that's uh, that is a very common issue. It happens with men and women, but I would say, at least from my experience, it, it, a lot, a lot, a lot of men face this that are used to being very successful in their roles, making a lot of money. So then it's a matter of trying to figure out, well, What's, what's the next phase for me? And, and there you got to, you really have to do some soul searching. There's plenty of books out there to help you with that. So to me, it's less of a money problem and, and more of a, what am I going to do with my life? Because when you're used to working 80 hours a week and just to stop, it's, it's, it's actually not terribly healthy. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Jim, I'm a lot younger than you. <laughs> and I feel the same way uh, every day. Not too much. Single digits. I feel the same way every day. <laughs> I don't have as much money as you. Um, Someday I'm going to someday you aspire at age 56 to get there. Yep. That's it. Wish this company would pay me. (laughs) Deciding on a Roth conversion strategy, whether to save for a home or for retirement. These are all major decisions that definitely require running some numbers, but just as importantly, what will you do with your time once you're retired? In 2016, a fidelity investment survey found that 60% of men said that having to spend time with their spouse was a strong factor in their decision to retire, while only 43% of women said the same thing. Download the Retirement Lifestyles Guide from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to get some insights, suggestions, and ideas to make the most of your lifestyle, growth, health, and relationships in retirement. This is what Joe likes to call the softer side of retirement. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to download the Retirement Lifestyles Guide for free from the podcast show notes. 
picking your money questions. Go to yourmoneywealth.com. Click on Ask Joe and Al on the air. We'll answer them right here. Clay from Westerville, Ohio. Westerville. I don't know where that is. Is it? It's uh, uh, one thing. It's in Ohio. <laughs> I can tell you that. Okay. I just found the show and I've been binge watching. Wow. What are these people doing? Binge watching this garbage. <laughs> oh. Have you ever been, been binge watched our, our show? Oh, no, I've never seen it. <laughs> never, ever seen it. I've never seen the show. Yeah. I've, actually. Listened to, I've listened to a couple. Andy did a really good job, I don't know, a couple of years ago on the best of or the something. I listened, listened a couple to of years one. ago. He listened to one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she did like a montage of something and she got it. To listen to it. Okay. Listen to that. You did that. I, I did that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. I was on the, was on the ride to Palm Springs. So I thought, got us. Well. Yeah, you might as well. And I, I yeah. I'm probably, I'm probably about the same. I have heard our shows before, but not, not that frequently. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, mean, I mean, once through is enough, right? It is. It's the same <laughs> show over and over and over again, but he's binging. So I'm, I'm binging. Um, the last kingdom, I think is the name of the show. Seen that. I'm not, I'm not binging anything right now. No, yeah, you're just drinking Mai Tais, chilling in Hawaii. I'm drinking Mai Tais, enjoying the, the waves and the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging loose, brah. That's right. You know, the, uh, right. the, the Hawaiian uh, hang loose is, is that? Do a little yeah. wiggle there. Got yeah. it. Yep. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So he's binge watching. He's got a little Dr. Pepper Zero just pounding away. The Dr. Peppers just absorbing your money or wealth just can't get enough of it he's got a 2008 honda crv with a double doodle roaming in the house the double doodle okay 42 wife's 40 make about one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. the wife stays home with the kids Uh, we have approximately six hundred fifty thousand dollars in my governmental 403b all pre-tax and three hundred fifty thousand in our roths oh man at 42 years old wife's staying home with the kids guys impressive killing the game very impressive got a million bucks yeah our best case is retirement at 58 with three and a half million dollars which we're on track for at a six percent rate of return if we were to hit that number before 58 i could retire before that a mortgage would be paid off and likely need about seventy five thousand dollars in income we currently save twenty five thousand or twenty five percent of our income i max out both roths and just started contributing to the 457 roth option uh, we do not pay into Social Security, so there will be no Social Security income. He's got a couple questions. One, should one maximize Roth 457 first instead of our Roth IRAs because of the additional flexibility it grants to us to get it grants us to get us to 59 and a half and also help solve for the ACA credits in the future? I also have $100,000 in a retirement medical account, like an HSA after you retire, that will likely be about $200,000 at that time. So in theory, I could just pay for health insurance out of pocket, as well as drawing those funds in doing some Roth conversions of my 403B. So a couple of things. With the 457 plan, there's no 59 and a half. Everyone kind of gets confused on, you know, when can I take money out of my account? In a 401k, as long as you separate from serve, the age is 55. It's not 59 and a half. With IRAs, individual retirement accounts, it's 59 and a half. However, Roth IRAs are totally different than that as well because you have access to the contributions at any time. 
So if he's making a hundred thousand dollar contributions, you know, for the next several years, he always has access to that because it's first in first out the earnings or the growth of the overall Roth will need a season for five years or until he turns 59 and a half, whichever is longer. So should he stick with the Roth IRA or go with the 457? If I was sitting in clay shoes, drinking my little Dr. Pepper zero with the little dopper doodle, um, I, I, I would go 457. I don't know. What about you, Big Al? Yeah, because uh, you can put a lot more in, right? Yeah, put a lot more in. You have a lot more flexibility. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I'll do that all day long. Your paycheck, it's easier. You don't have to, you know, make, um, take it out of your, you know, savings account. So I, I yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And then there's ACA credits, which we should explain that Affordable Care Act credits. So this is to help you pay for your insurance when your income is, is low. And so what people tend to do is they try to keep their income low enough until they get to age 65, Medicare age, where they can then get credits and get help on paying for health insurance. And if you're able to draw money out of Roth IRAs, or you're able to draw money out of your savings, or maybe a non-qualified non-retirement account, and you don't have a lot of taxable gain, then that can work. Yeah, because then it's the, the income is virtually zero. Correct. Right. Okay. Uh, number two here is that how do you guys look at pension options? The 403B can be completely or partially converted at 55 to a pension. Okay. How do you guys look at pension options? The 403B can be completely or partially converted at 55 to a pension as I choose the self-directed plan, not the guaranteed pension option when I started 20 years ago. I will have a COLA that matches CPI, but can't exceed 3%. Traditional view is that a 6% distribution to take it. And I like the idea of converting some of it to create an income floor conservative portion of assets similar to social security between 25 and 40 grand. But I also feel like I could take the money. I'd allocate the pension and create my own while controlling my taxes with our Roth IRAs and possibly converting some of those balances to Roth. Just curious how... One would spitball that. I am aware that I'll likely die first and want to keep things as simple as possible for my wife. Really appreciate it. Loyal listener now. Yes. Clay. <laughs> He's already thinking about death. The guy's 40. Yeah, 42. Is yeah. that something you think about these days? I think about it every day. <laughs> every day I drive into the office. I'm like, I just wish the semi would just take me out. It's like, I've had enough. I'm in my forties. Good enough. <laughs> I killed it. Well, got married. Killed it. Yep. Month in. I'm ready. I got a great legacy. Just B bucket, take, bucket list. Take, take me now. <laughs> got it. Uh, no, I don't really think I'd love life. I love my yeah. life. Yeah. I'm, I'm a happy go lucky guy. And um, no, but he's, he's responsible. The guy's got a million dollars at 40. Of course, he's thinking about his wife and estate planning and uh, getting things dialed in there. Right. Um, how do we look at, well, there's a lot of calculation that, that goes on in, in, in looking at, do you take the pension uh, or the annuity stream versus the lump sum? In some cases, it makes a lot of sense to take the lump sum and he's right on track because if he takes the lump sum, then he could create his own income from the overall portfolio. He could control his taxes. He can do conversions. He's already got a lot of money in Roth. He's doing the right things. He's going to have even more money in the Roth because we just told him to max out the 457 Roth. And so he's going to be controlling his taxes quite a bit. If he takes the annuity, well, then that's a guaranteed income floor. He doesn't have social security. So then it's like, all right, well, at least I need some sort of floor of income. I'm going to have a lot less balance. And if I pass away, 
you know, that income could stop either at his life or his spouse's life. So it's, it, it really depends on, A, what's the pension payment versus the lump sum? So there's a calculation there to really determine kind of what, you know, the, the internal rate of return that you're getting from the pension. Um, then it also deals with your risk tolerance. I mean, a lot of people like that floor. All right. So then take the floor because you're going to have a ton of, a ton of other assets as well. Right. So he, he's got to do a little bit more calculations here, but I think he's right on the right track of at least thinking about it. But yeah, I, I would, if he doesn't have social security, I would probably take the pension. Yeah. I, I would probably take the pension too. And, and the reason is because 6% is a decent payout and it's got cost of living increases. A lot of times with pensions, maybe they start around 8%, but there's no cost of living increase. So by the time you get 10, 20 years in, it's a, it's a lot lower payment in terms of purchasing power. It's the same payment, but it, it, it will buy you a lot less because of inflation. So, so I kind of like that too. Plus the fact that he's got, they have so many other assets to, you know, to utilize for other purposes, particularly they're thinking three and a half million yeah, I think I would take that. But I think that's how I think about it. It's just like you said, Joe, is you do the calculations, you see what's going to be better. But in this case, I would probably lean towards the pension based upon what I see. Right. Well, uh, let's say if he doesn't take the pension and then you look at his income needs, what is the, the burn rate? What's the distribution rate is what he really needs to figure out. So he wants to spend $75,000 today, forecast that out with a three and a half, four 4% inflation rate to see what that number is. And if he takes the pension, let's say that's $90,000 of, of income need, and he's got $50,000 coming in from pension, right? All right. So now he's short 40, he's got $4 million. That's a 1% burn rate. Okay. That, that, that's pretty healthy. That's right. Or you take the lump sum and you do the same number. Maybe it's a two and a half percent distribution rate. Well, that's still pretty healthy. But if you're running into four or five percent burn rate um, on that money, then it's like, okay, well, probably the pension might make a little bit more sense because you're going to have to take on more risk in that overall portfolio. And he wants to retire early and he's probably going to have super longevity just because the the Dr. Pepper Zeros. <laughs> Instead of beer or, or, or harder. Cocktails, yes. Yeah. Well, I actually brought up a good point. So health does come into this. So if you think you and your spouse, if you get the survivor benefit, have a paired life expectancy and you've got kids, you know, maybe you do want the lump sum so you can maximize that for the kids. So there, there's a lot to consider, really. Cool. Thanks for the question. Thanks for being a loyal listener. Welcome to the family, Clay. Um, you're one of four. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment at a date and time convenient for you, no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personal investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.